The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. with our AGM, and that's been working really well. So I wanted to kind of share with you where we're going. And um, for those of you who've been a part of PCC for the last couple of years, our themes have centered around a word that starts with the letter R. So I wanted to kind of continue the tradition. And so the, the next 12 months, the R word that we're going to be working with is the word remain. The word remain. Now, remain can be kind of one of those really wussy words that just sounds really weak and say, remain, really, what's the point of that? But remain in the sense of continuing in the direction that you're heading in. So when you say to someone, you know, remain on the path that you're on, you mean you're going the right way, kind of remain on that path, stay the course as it were. And so that's the idea of remain that I want us to engage with. And it's based in John chapter 15, where Jesus uses this word constantly. Different translations use the word abide or remain. The idea of being connected, staying connected to Jesus. And so this is kind of where I want us to be spending our time this morning and also in another passage that we'll look at in a moment. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15 and just want to make a couple of observations. Um, I'm not so much planning to preach this text as more to share my heart and to share, uh, I guess, the vision and the theme uh, that God's put on my heart for the next 12 months and to draw out some kind of obvious principles of this idea of remaining in Jesus and what that looks like for us as a church as we move forward. So um, let's just get into this passage. John chapter 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is a key phrase I want us to remember. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, uh, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. 
And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Father, we commit this time to you. We thank you that you've already been at work and moving and speaking to us. And Lord, as we come around your word, will you open our hearts to receive your word? Lord, to have ears that are eager to hear and and wills that are eager to respond in obedience and faith. Lord, as we move forward as a church, I pray that you'll stir in our heart a vision for what you want to do in and through us here. In Jesus' name, amen. The last few days, uh, last few weeks actually, I've discovered a new happy place. Um, I have certain places I love to go to, to just be alone and sit and think and pray and worship God. And one of my go-to places was the Armory Cafe at Newington. If you've been there, there's a little spot just further along the track where it's really quiet. And I sit by the Parramatta River. It's not a nice river, but it's, it's water. It's water views. And just enjoy that time. But, you know, it's always a kind of a bit of a trek. And, and sometimes you get caught in traffic on the way back. And... and um, the couple of times we've driven to uh, Wet n Wild, I've seen Prospect Reservoir. And I thought, oh, you know, I've got to go there. And it's the, every time I've thought about it, the gate's always been locked. And I thought, oh, I wonder what's going on there. So they must have been doing some renovations or something. But the gate's been open, and I've been going there, and it is so quiet there. It's unbelievable. It's such a great spot. There's picnic tables. I don't think there's barbecues there. But it's a great spot. Um, lots of area for families and kids. Encourage you to go. But I discovered one of these annoying things is that it must be under the Bankstown Airport flight path because there's so many planes that go over that place. I'm like, well, seriously, what's going on here? But sitting there, looking at that reservoir, it, it, and I heard a podcast as well um, that Dash heard at a conference she was at that really got me thinking about a metaphor for the Christian life being a reservoir. And, and it really kind of struck a chord with me, and I really want us to hold on to that image of the Christian life being a reservoir, a place that is fed by undercurrent rivers and streams or tributaries that flow into this place where the water builds up and builds up and builds up. And the way a normal reservoir is designed is that when the water gets to a certain level, the water flows out through dams, through canals, through tributaries, and and makes a difference wherever it goes. And this idea that a reservoir never never depletes itself because it's constantly being fed. And, 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 and the, the life that it gives comes out of the overflow of the abundance of the, the collection and accumulation. And so this idea of remaining, remaining in Jesus is so important for us as a church. And I want to encourage us to think about your life, my life, our lives together, and our lives together corporately as a community being like a reservoir that as we stay connected and remain in Jesus, that we will overflow. Now, just two thoughts from John 15 that really stood out for me. This one that I already mentioned, where Jesus says in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Fruitfulness is impossible without remaining in Jesus. That's the whole point of this passage. And Jesus brings this out in lots of different ways, but essentially the same truth. He's saying, really, without me, any spiritual endeavor, any spiritual growth, any spiritual achievement is impossible. Is impossible. Now, the question for us to engage with is, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that personally, individually, for our lives? Do I believe that as the pastor of a local church, that there is no spiritual endeavor, no spiritual achievement, no spiritual accomplishment, nothing that we can do for God without remaining in Jesus? And if we say, well, that's true, there is nothing, then we ought to really invest into this 
into being connected and remaining in Jesus. Now, if we think that we can do this in our own steam, with our own brilliance, with our own talent, with our own leadership, with our own skill, with our own effort, then this is optional. But if Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't think there's a clearer statement of this truth than that one line. Apart from me, you can do not some things, not good things, not, not nothing, nothing. So as a church, I want us to really hold on to that. Saying, Jesus, without you, we're nothing. We really are nothing. We're just a bunch of people that come together, sing happy songs, and have a good time meeting each other, having a good cup of coffee. But we can't achieve any kingdom purpose without you. May we never forget that. And so I want to encourage us to hold on to that truth. The second truth that kind of spins out of this one is that fruitfulness is an outcome. It's, it's a byproduct of remaining in Jesus. It's not the end game, as it were. And as an eldership, we've been talking a lot about wanting to see more people come to faith and wanting to see spiritual accomplishment and achievement. But I want us to be careful that we don't pursue fruitfulness. We, we don't pursue the end result. We don't pursue the outcome. We don't pursue the goal. We pursue Jesus. We, we pursue Christ. And, and remaining in Him stays the priority. And the fruitfulness is the overflow is the outcome is the abundance that comes out of being firmly rooted in Jesus let's not make the mistake of of wanting certain results in our in our lives individually personally and i'm sure that we want fruitfulness we want to grow in Christ likeness we we want to be more effective for Jesus we want to serve god more we we want to see people come to faith through our testimony and our witness and i mean we want all of those good things but pursuing those things is a lost end it's about remaining in Christ and pursuing Christ and letting Jesus by the power of his spirit produce the fruitfulness in our lives so as a church, Jesus mentions three things here. Well, he mentions lots of things, but three things particularly that I want us to remain in. The first thing he talks about is this idea of remaining in his word. And that's in, in verse, actually it's throughout this section, he talks about remaining in, the, in his word. And then in verses 9 and onwards, he, he links this idea, of, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And this idea of somehow obedience and love are intertwined together. And Jesus talks about, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, verse 7, uh, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So as a church, I want us to continue our commitment to remain in the words of Jesus. Remain in the words of Jesus. And I don't mean just the red letter parts. I mean the scriptures as a whole. And it's something that we value and we want to commit ourselves to, to take seriously the words of Jesus. And let me tell you, sometimes that's difficult because the, the scriptures and Jesus challenges us individually about a whole bunch of things that make us very uncomfortable. And particularly in our culture, as we drift further and further away from a Judeo-Christian worldview, it's going to put us at odds with our culture in different ways. But I want us to, as a church, remain in the words of Jesus, to be strong on that, to engage with that, to, to live out of that. And so a lot of our preaching in this next year is really going to focus on Jesus, on, on, uh, on who He is, on, on, yes, the things that He said and His parables and, and His teachings. And we really want to engage seriously with the words of Jesus. 
remain in my words, he's saying. And thinking about how individually we can do that. And I know that there are many people who struggle with reading their Bibles. And this is not just unique to our church, and it's not just unique to our generation. Christians in every generation have struggled with that. Now again, if we take Jesus' words seriously here, where he says, without me you can do nothing, and the way to stay connected and to way, the way to remain in me is to remain in my word, then what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me in terms of how we relate to this book? And you know, I love another podcast that Dash and I were listening to where the speaker talked about the question she asked was, do you have a relationship with the Word of God? I like that. Because sometimes we think of it as a routine, as, as something we're supposed to do, as a, a discipline. And it is all of those things. But I love the idea of asking the question, do I have a relationship with the Word of God, the written Word of God? Because the living Word works through the written Word. And to have a relationship with the living Word, I need to have a relationship with the written Word remaining in the words of Jesus. The second thing Jesus says in verse uh, 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in my love. And as a community, I want to see us grow in this. And we're growing in this. We're getting better at this. We're we're inclusive and, and we're welcoming people. Jesus says that this is an important part of knowing him and, and seeing his work in our lives is to remain in his love. And I want us to grow in our knowledge and our revelation of Jesus' love for us. And, and that's through prayer. I mean, Jesus talks about asking the Father and he will do things twice in this passage. He's referring to prayer and having a life of uh, communication with the, with the Word, with Jesus. Remaining in Him through relationship, through conversation, through through a dialogue with Jesus. But it's more than that. It's remaining in Jesus' love through worship. And that's why we want to really build our times of corporate worship in connect groups. We would love to see our connect groups experiencing the presence of Jesus through worship. Because it's remaining in His love. It's experiencing His love for us. It is cultivating a heart of devotion and delight in Him. Remaining in his love. And then out of that, growing in our commitment to love one another. Out of that, expressing that love. Because Jesus goes on to say, greater love has no one than the love he modeled, which is a self-giving, sacrificial love. And that we, as we are stretched by the love of Jesus for us, as we grow in our understanding and revelation of Jesus' love for us, we would begin to extend our own circle of love to include more people in that love. And we sacrifice our convenience, we sacrifice our time, we sacrifice our comfort so that we can bring other people into the experience of the love of Jesus. And I want to encourage you that when you come on a Sunday, that you don't see Sunday as an opportunity to catch up with friends and and people in your connect group already. I'm, I'm assuming and I'm hoping that you're having regular contact with those close people during the week and that Sunday is not the only time that you get to see them. And that's not to say if you see your friend, you ignore them. But I'm saying, please, can we as a community extend our circle of love, particularly on a Sunday, when there are people that you only see on a Sunday, new people that you might never see again, that you extend your circle to include them, to self-sacrifice and express the love of Jesus to people that you don't know, maybe at all, or certainly don't know well. 
Let's be more aware. Let's be more diligent. Let's at morning tea particularly spend time extending our circle of love and not circling ourselves with the people that we already know so well. As we grow as a church, this will become more and more important. If we want people to feel the love of Jesus and feel part of a community, it's going to take each of us. It can't just be a small group of people. It's going to take each of us stepping out of our comfort zone and expressing the love of Jesus through us. You know, we as an eldership and as a staff, we've been wrestling with this idea of having a visitor's team that some churches do, where you have special people whose job is just that, to be welcoming and nice, and everybody else gets a free pass. I just don't think that there's, that there's, there's sense in that, where it's only a handful of people that have the job of being nice to visitors. I want to suggest to you, if we're going to remain in the love of Jesus, then it's something we all have to do. It can't just be a special elite group of really friendly people. Come on. Come on, church. Let's, let's take Jesus seriously and remain in his love and, and, and so grow in our confidence of Jesus' love that we want to share it and extend that circle. The third remain, Jesus talks about right at this, the end part. He doesn't actually use the word remain. Verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. I want to suggest to you, I want to suggest to us as a community that Jesus expects fruitfulness from his people. It, the, the, the passage begins with Jesus talking about God being the father that goes and examines branches because he's expecting something. He's expecting fruitfulness. And, and Jesus makes it clear that the, the branches that don't produce anything, they, they're cut off and they're discarded. Jesus is saying that those who are remaining in him are producing and those who are not remaining, they wither and they die and they're thrown in the fire. They're scary words. The gardener comes along and he's expecting to see something. And the, the branches that are producing, he prunes so that they can even be more fruitful. And Jesus ends by saying, he has chosen us and he's appointed us so that we might go and bear fruit. There is an expectation. That's part of our calling. Now, there's been a church on this property since 1932. 1932, on this location. And I believe God's called us to be a particular kind of church in a particular area to produce a particular kind of fruit. No fruit tree can produce multiple types of fruit. And so the third remain is, I want us to remain faithful to God's calling for us as a church, to bear fruit, fruit in keeping with the history that this church has been a part of and looking ahead to what God is calling us to be for right now in this community, to be faithful to that to remain true to that. It's been an AOG church since 1978, which means next year is our 40th anniversary. And so we're going to have some celebration. We're going to have some reunions to, again, remember those who've gone before and the work they've done and the legacy they've left and the faith that they built this church on and to recognize the unique moment of history that we are part of in the life of this church and knowing that God willing, this church will continue long after you and I are gone. But in this season that we are faithful to carry the torch, to remain faithful to the calling that God has given us to be a particular kind of church here. And it's an international church, clearly. It's an intergenerational church. It is a Pentecostal church. We're an Assemblies of God or ACC church. 
That's the kind of church we want to be. We're a church in Parramatta. We're a church that has a heart for our community. We're a church that, that values and is committed to preaching the Bible. We're a church that loves encountering the presence of God in worship. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. And that means not comparing, not competing, not imitating, and trying to bear fruit that isn't authentic for us as a church to bear. We can only be one type of tree. Let's be the best and the healthiest kind of tree that we can be. So that when the gardener comes, he can see things that are working and can prune them and say, I want more of that. I want to see more fruitfulness. And he can see that we are producing the fruit that he always intended and appointed and called us to produce. Let's be faithful. Remain in our calling. And that doesn't mean being stuck. That's not what I'm talking about. But knowing who we are as a church and being that well. I, I, what I don't want is to be like the fig tree that the, the, the Gospels talk about, where Jesus from a distance, he saw the fig tree and it full of leaves and it promised so much so that when Jesus comes to it, he's expecting to see fruit. And there isn't. It's barren. It was full of leaves, but it was barren of fruit. And Jesus curses it. Jesus didn't go to a fig tree looking for apples. He went to a fig tree expecting it to be producing figs. And I want us as a church, when Jesus comes, says, yes, this is what I was expecting of you, and you are producing the fruit I've called you to produce. Remain true to our calling. So what, what kind of fruit, other than the things I've mentioned, I, I, I love the fact that we're an international church. Let's not ever wonder if that's a good thing. I, I know so many other pastors and, and leaders who, who dream of having this kind of diversity in their church. I love the fact that we're intergenerational, that we value young people and young adults and our older people and our kids. And we try as much as we can to integrate faith into every generation and learn from each other and grow together as a community. I love that. And I'd love to see more of our Pentecostalness, the gifts of the Spirit at work, moving in our community and moving in, in, this, in our gatherings, in our connect groups. I'd love to see time carved out where we're waiting on the Holy Spirit and expecting the Holy Spirit to actually turn up and to move and speak and do powerful, miraculous things among us. I love that. I'd love to see us serve our community better because that's the heartbeat of this church and think about how can we do that. And there's some really interesting conversations that we're having at the moment about opportunities that are in our community and how we can as a church be a part of that. And we'll be telling you and sharing more of that with you as we unfold that. So what kind of fruit, I guess in a broader sense, not the specific sense, but in a broader sense, would remaining in Jesus produce in the life of a Christian in the life of a church. Well, for that, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul here is praying for these Ephesian Christians. And as I read this passage, I was really encouraged and I thought, God, these are great fruit for us to produce. And I believe that these are the fruit that you kind of want us to produce in, in our individual lives, but also in the life of this church, in this life of the faith community. And so I'd love for you to, again, as you're praying for our church, and I hope that you pray for our church, that you, as you're praying for our church, you pray John 15 and you pray Ephesians 3, because it's a prayer already, so that should be pretty easy, that you pray this for us as a community and that we would together believe that, 
we would produce these fruit. Let me read this. For this reason, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Verse 16 is where Paul begins to pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I love that phrase, filled to overflowing. That's my message title this morning, filled to overflowing to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. A few quick fruit for us to kind of believe God for in our lives and as a church. Number one, this idea of the Lordship of Christ. I believe that as we remain in Jesus, that there would, there would be a greater expression of the Lordship of Christ in our life. There has to be. Because Jesus said in John 15, if you, if you want to remain in me, remain in my love, you have to obey my word. It's integral. And so whether you want to put this word down, if you're taking notes, as Lordship or submission or, or surrender, that idea. Because Paul says here that he's praying that he may strengthen, God might strengthen us with power through his spirit in your inner being. Trust us. Trust me when I said that we need power to surrender to Jesus. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul is saying here, I'm going to pray that God fills you with the power of the Spirit so that you can submit to Jesus more. The word that Paul uses there, may dwell, Christ may dwell in your heart. There's two Greek words that you can use to convey that idea. One word has the idea of a, a traveler or a sojourner or a temporary resident. The word that Paul uses here, however, has the idea of a master who's coming to take residence in the house that he owns. It's the dwelling place of the master, the abode of the master, where he sits in authority in his own home. That's what Paul is saying here. I'm praying for you that as you experience this indwelling power of the Spirit, that you will submit to the Lordship of Christ more and more and more in your life. That's what I want to see in my life. That's what I want to see in your life. That's what I want to see in our faith community, that we would bow the knee to Jesus more and more and more as we remain in Him, that we would say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, have your way, your kingdom come, your will be done, Lordship. The second thing he prays for them is so that, uh, and I pray that you're being rooted and established in love. And the way Paul uses that phrase there, it carries the idea of expressing love to one another. So this idea is about community. It's about community. And he uses two metaphors, a gardening one and an architectural one. He says, I pray that you are rooted, which is put your roots deep down into Jesus. Put your roots deep down into the Spirit. Put your roots deep down into the indwelling Christ. And when He's Lord of your life, and you submit and surrender to Him, it will force you, if you like, using that word in a very loving, gracious way, as you submit to Jesus, force you to love others. It will force you outwards. It will force you to extend your heart in this love because you're drawing from Jesus. You're rooted in Him. And then he uses the word established, which is the word that means a foundation of a building. 
He's saying when you build your life on the indwelling presence of Jesus, it expresses itself in love for other people. Community. Community. I want us to grow in this. I want, you know, individually for you to grow in this. I want you to grow in loving each other powerfully for us as a church to express this more and more as we grow in Christ. Community. Verse 18. Interestingly, Paul says, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how great the love of Jesus is for us now. This is about security. Security. I love that Paul says this can only be experienced together with all the Lord's people. As we love one another, as we express Jesus' love to one another, in some way we are showing each other how great Jesus' love is for individuals, for us. It's this idea that as the church loves each other, we show the the height and the breadth and the width and the depth of God's love for us. And it's only in community that we will fully experience Jesus' love for us. And so I want us to to experience the love of Jesus. And And Paul, again, like he does in other parts, uses these incredible words to say, it's bigger than you can ever get your head around Jesus' love for you. Which is why he says that you would know this love that is beyond knowledge. It surpasses knowledge, verse 19. There's no limit to how much that reservoir can get filled. You can just get you can keep filling and filling and filling and filling. that's how much Jesus loves us. And I hope that individually and as a community, when we get that, that we will come into a greater place of security, of surrender, of saying, God, I know you love me. That it will affect the way we think about ourselves, that it will change the way we live in the world, that it would affect our sense of identity and purpose and, and our dignity and our value because we are experiencing the breadth and the depth and the height of Jesus' love for us security. And then he goes on to say, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now that's an incredible statement. He's praying that these Ephesians would be filled with the very life of God. The the very fullness of the life of God. It's kind of like when Jesus said, be holy, because your heavenly Father is holy, like your heavenly Father is holy, or be perfect, like God is perfect. I mean, have you ever thought about the benchmark of holiness and perfection? And Jesus says, I want you to be like that. It's infinite. Paul is doing the same thing here. He's saying, you know the life of God, the very life that embodies but fills God? That's the life I want you to be filled with. And there's no limit to that. For me, that's about abundance. I would love for us, for you individually, for us as a community to know the fullness of the life of Jesus. That's what Jesus promised in John 10, 10, abundant life, eternal life, the very life of God filling us to overflowing, the full measure of the fullness of God in our lives. Verse 20, he rounds off with this other great fruit. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. This is about faith for me, faith. I would love individually, I would love our community to produce fruit of faith. Listen to what Paul says here. The God that is going to do all of this in our lives, he's a God that hears our prayers because he can do more than we ask. He's a God that not only hears our prayers, but also knows our thoughts because he can do more than we can even imagine. He knows your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations, your fears. He knows you inside. 
He's a God that is not passive. He's a God that does, who is able to do immeasurably more. He's also a God that is able. He's not a powerless God. He's not a limited God. He's a God who's able, and He's able to do not just the ordinary. He's able to do immeasurably more, which is the, the biggest Greek word you can use to mean superabundance, beyond anything you can imagine. I wonder if we see God that way, if I see God that way, if in our community, when we're talking about a a building project that's going to cost us millions, I want us to produce fruit of faith that says, you know, yeah, we believe in this God. We believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine because he's a big God. And in your life, in your situation, in your need, in your struggle, whatever that is, that you would know the power of God that is at work within you to produce faith in a powerful God, in a mighty God, in a big God. And I I think the more we abide and remain in Jesus, going back to John 15, that's why Jesus said, when you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask for things, amazing things. And God will answer that. And God will give you that because you're praying prayers that are in line with his kingdom purpose, in line with his word and in faith. And you're believing in this Jesus who said, without me, you can't do anything. But with me, nothing would be impossible for you. Faith. Fruitfulness is the overflow, filled to overflowing. You know, one of the things I I used to love to do a few years ago, I don't do this anymore, is when it came to filling my petrol tank, to fill it to full. You know, you hear the first click, but that's not enough. You know, you pull the nozzle out a little bit, keep going. How many people do that? Shame on you. <laughs> Apparently, it's really bad for your car. My mechanic told me, and that's, that's why I stopped doing it. But back in the day before I was enlightened, I used to think, man, I want to get, I want to see the petrol in the, in the tank there before I stop. I just keep going to, you know, pull it out, pull it out, get clicks, you know, watch the ticker. All right, I can get, and then it's, more often than not, it would just squirt out, end up all over my shoes, and I'd get in the car and dash go, what? There was, you stink of petrol. I'm going, it's the overflow. It's just, you know. And that's the idea I want us to have as, as a church, as individuals, as a reservoir that we so remain in Christ and we're so filled with his presence that it just overflows out of our lives. It spills out everywhere we go. It spills out in our workplace. It spills out in our neighborhood. It spills out in our community. It spills out as we're spending time with friends and family who don't know Jesus. It just spills out because we're remaining in Jesus and there is fullness in our life and it's just overflowing wherever we go and we stink of Jesus. We stink of Jesus because he's just all over us. That's my prayer for this year. That's what I want. That's what I long for, to produce this fruit that will glorify Jesus. Because Jesus said in John 15, this is to my Father's glory. That's the end game. We want to glorify our Father. This is to my Father's glory. What is to my Father's glory? That we produce much fruit. Why does that produce glory to God? Because it says, by this they will know that you are my disciples. You see, when your life produces the fruit of Jesus, the fruit of Ephesians 3, and people kind of go, that's not natural. You, you couldn't have produced that on your own. That has to be the work of Jesus in your life. When people come to that conclusion, they, they have to give glory to God because there's no one else to thank. There's no one else to glorify because it's clearly the work of Jesus in your life. That's how we give glory to the Father. 
Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and just take a moment to reflect on that. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I I ask you to come and speak into every heart. Father, as we just sit in your presence, Lord, I pray that you'll stir our heart to love Jesus more, to surrender more, to create more space in our minds and in our hearts and in our schedules. Lord, to create more space for more of you. Lord, the limitation does not come from your end. The limitations of our experience of Jesus always comes from our end. Lord, there's so much more you want to do in our lives. There's so much more you want to give us. There's so much more you want to do through us. God, I pray that, Lord, you would show us how to create more space in our hearts, in our minds, to be filled with more of you. I pray that, Lord, you'll show us the the branches in our own lives that are not fruitful, that are not producing fruit in keeping with your kingdom purpose for us. And help us, Lord, to chop them off. They're dead anyway. And help us, Lord, to prune the branches in our lives that are producing good fruit, Jesus' fruit. And help us, Lord, to invest into those things and see your power, the Spirit of God at work through us to produce even more fruit. Lord, I pray for us as a church that, Lord, you would make us fruitful as we remain in Jesus. I pray that we will not pursue the fruit, that we will pursue Jesus. That we will long for Him, that we would desire Him, that when we come together as a community, whether on a Sunday or in connect groups, that our passion will be to worship Jesus. That we won't hang back, that we won't stand and spectate, that we won't, Lord, just be passive. But Lord, that we would open our hearts and our minds and Lord, use our bodies and use our voices and use our, every part of our being to express our devotion to Jesus, knowing that in that process, you are changing us to make us more like you. Have your way, Lord, we pray. Have your way in our church. Have your way in our lives, we pray, that we might bear fruit that will glorify the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand together? Jesus, I'm just going to close by just singing this chorus, the chorus part of this song, as we just declare Jesus, the name of Jesus. Oh, let's worship him. Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. His name is the name above all names. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's worship him. Jesus. Thank you, God. See the King has come. Thank you, Jesus. Light of the world, reaching out for us. Thank you, Lord. There is no other name. There 